10 people were beheaded in a remote area in Papua New Guinea's Madang province last week. Police say seven were murdered at about 5 a.m. on Friday in one pipe village in the Transgogo region. The deceased included a seven-year-old boy. Another three were killed a few hours later in Alfan village in the same area. A correspondent in PNG, Scott Whitey, told Don Wiseman about the struggle police have had trying to end the murderous attacks. This is being done by uh, one group of people and they were arrested last year and they were brought in, about 20 of them, brought in, to, brought in by police and they were held in custody and this was done after a series of negotiations with the local communities. Now when they were brought in, it was difficult for police to actually charge them because they, the witnesses didn't want to testify against them because they were just too afraid to do that. Now, those people have been released back into the communities, and those are the people who have gone ahead and are causing all these problems in the communities. And these are very young people about, uh, I think, according to the provincial police commander, the youngest is about 14 and the oldest about 30. So it, it's within that age group of people, about 15 of them. Why are they doing this? It appears to be an organized group. And whether it's uh, rooted in a cult or some kind of an organization is still uncertain. People call it a cult because the manner in which people are being killed is just horrific. And that's what police have had to deal with over the last 10 years. Because this is not the first one. There's, there's been several already since 2018, the one that I can remember. This area is called the Transgogal area. How remote yes. is that within Medang? It's accessible by road. Well, the large part, a large part of it is, is, is accessible by road, but there are villages which you have to walk to. And it's along the same range as the Rikos district, the Ramu Valley. So it's, it's that mountain range that connects these places. But it's, it's a fairly difficult place to get to uh, if you were to travel on foot. But in a country where there are some very remote areas, it's not the remotest, is it? So No, no, it's, it, it, it's not. Uh, there, there are pockets where it's really difficult to get to, but yeah, it, it, parts of it are accessible by road. The people living in this community must be just traumatised. Yes, just by talking to the provincial police commander and the, and the manner in which he was talking to me, he said it's, it's really difficult for police to actually charge people, uh, firstly charge them, bring them in in large numbers, and then get them convicted through witness testimonies. He said that part of the community participation that police need in order to get people convicted isn't there. It, it's just not working as it should. Uh, and it's primarily because people are scared of retribution. So are police able to offer greater protection to these people? Uh, it, it's, it's a difficult question, given the resources that police have access to and their ability to you know, maintain protection for long periods. It's just something that's not really practical in Papua New Guinea. Now, you and I have talked about a lot of people dying over a fairly short period of time, people who have yes. been murdered, essentially. It seems that there's a disrespect for the sanctity of life that's growing in Papua New Guinea. Yeah, there's a collection of issues that have have brought this about, and it's it's not an issue that has happened in the last 20 years. You know, it, it goes back a, a long way. And one of the main reasons, one of the primary reasons, is the breakdown in the traditional governance systems that existed in Papua New Guinea. You know, the systems where people are penalized for taking a life or people are isolated from their communities as, as a penalty or 
uh, asking them to pay hefty compensations. That system of governance in, in traditional societies has broken down. The other issue that's uh, added to all of this is the huge number of students coming out of grade 8 and grade 10 with no opportunities available to them. They're going back into the villages. They've got an education that's only partial, not the full 12 years of education. They're going back, getting involved in drinking alcohol, taking drugs, forming peer groups, and, and it becoming this vicious cycle of violence in the communities. But is there a solution? I mean, is, is there anyone in Papua New Guinea talking about how to solve this yep. sort of thing? You know, it's a Melanesian society, so people will listen if leaders take control of it. And actually, it's a long, long process. I mean, people have to sit down and actually be willing to reach out and bring the parties together. That's in many, many communities that are facing this problem, that's missing. So in Leh in particular, I mean, Leh is a city, but we've we've also had ethnic clashes, clashes between ethnic groups. Now, the reason why Leh City has been able to contain those problems that we've, we've had, and it was far worse in 2012. Uh, reason why people here have been able to contain it is that the leaders have been willing to sit down with the leaders of the communities, bring them together, and just go through this process of talking about the problems. It takes six, 12 months to just get people to understand various views, different opinions, different states of mind, and then eventually find a solution to it. But it's a lengthy, lengthy, lengthy process that they have to go through.